This year's outdoor baptism is happening on June 25th. If you've taken the step of faith in Christ and would like to take the next step through baptism, now's your chance. Interviews for outdoor baptism will be available after each service in room 1201. If you can't attend one of these opportunities, go to northridgechurch.com baptism to fill out an application. with walls covered in lyrics they're all over the place of regret in our lives. Regrets, you know, those things that we've said or haven't said, those things that we've done or haven't done that ultimately haunt us throughout our lives. They cast shadows our entire lives. I I know I just have a a ton of these regrets in my life. I, I think of the relationship I could have had with my dad that I I didn't have. My dad died in the year 2000, and by then we had established a really great relationship. He'd always been a good guy, but I, I didn't appreciate all that he could have been in my life. I didn't invest myself in that relationship like I could have, and I have to tell you, I, I regret the years wasted. Even as my own parenting season took place. I I think most of my kids, I I know most of my kids, I know that all of my kids would say that, you know, I love them and they love me and it was a good time. They would say it because I pay them a lot to keep their mouth shut, but um, that's not actually true. Look at, I I was it, okay, dad, but, but since I've had grandkids, I've realized that that when I was a parent of my kids, life was swirling so much and I was, you know, motivated for so much that I didn't spend as much time in the now with them. I mean, I was in the right place saying the right things more often than not, but there were a hundred other things going on in my life that didn't allow me to just fully lose myself in the now with them. And I have to tell you, I regret that. I'll never experience them as a three-year-old again, as a seven-year-old again, as a 12-year-old again, and it's just one of the things I have to deal with. I've wasted potential and time and opportunities I could have accomplished so much more. Look at I made messed up choices in my life, and the truth is, all of us have regrets because none of us are perfect. We we can't avoid this deal. We're not perfect, so we're going to blow it at times, and that's going to leave us with regrets. Every single one of us, I'm sure, wishes that we could get just a couple of do-overs in our lives. Wouldn't it be great if it was like the game Monopoly and you could pick up the chance card or the thing and it's like, yeah, get a do-over, but that's just not how it is. For 
for any of us. But the truth is, while all of us have regrets, for many of us, they go deep. And I mean very deep. They become the dominant reality of our lives. They rule our emotions. They have us building and living in rooms of, of shame. They become life-diminishing, life-destroying. And the truth is everyone has regrets, but, but some of us are literally owned by them and defined by them. The entire decor of our lives, like this room on our stage here at Northridge Plymouth, are, are written on with the story of our regrets. The entire decor of our lives influenced by regrets, which means every choice, Every experience has the shadow of them, but it doesn't have to be that way. The truth that I want you to see this weekend as we continue in this series called Rooms is that our regrets have the power to make us prisoners of the past. I mean, they really do. They have the power to keep us imprisoned to our past, which means Never in the present are we experiencing or expressing life like we long to, which means every day we're imprisoned by regrets leads to another day of regrets because we're always living backward instead of forward. It's destructive. And the truth is we can't avoid establishing choices and experiences in our life that lead to regret because as Romans 3.23 says it, all of us have sinned and we fall short of God's glory. None of us lives up to what God created us for. None of us lives the life we were designed for on our own, which means all of us have blown it. And it can just lock us into a prison of regret. I like how it's said so colorfully in Acts chapter 8, verse 23. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin full of bitterness really speaks to what we're talking about this weekend in rooms. It's like every room, every recess of our lives is, is absolutely filled with bitterness over what we failed to do or things we've done that we wished we hadn't. And, and as a result, we become captive to, in Bible language, the sin to our failures, to our mess-ups, to that which we regret. Your regrets have the power to keep you prisoners in the past, which means you're going to keep perpetuating things that you regret. And sadly, this is the reality for most of us, really. It's destructive. It has this tendency to paralyze us, to keep us from moving forward, to, to then ultimately turn into a really destructive emotion, self-directed hatred and destruction. The truth is that all of us have regrets, but some of us are dominated by them, defined by them, and allowing them to destroy us, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I know this because God has shown us through story after story in the Bible about the realities that we experience today. There are these two guys in the Bible who serve as great examples of this issue that we all deal with called regret. These two guys actually blew it with Jesus. I mean, blew it big time with Jesus. And, and they blew it in very similar ways. They both betrayed Jesus and denied Jesus and forsook Jesus. Their, their names were Peter and Judas. Huge, huge failures. And yet, isn't it interesting, though they both failed in very identical ways, 
Some of you actually name your kids Peter. Some of you are named Peter. But no one names their kids Judas. In fact, if your parents named you Judas, I'm just sorry. You really need to change your name. It's like, you know, so, but, but what's weird is they, they failed in identical ways. They were both privileged to be among Jesus' closest friends. Jesus, creator of this world, walking on this planet for just so many years, chose these two guys to be among his closest friends. They, they lived life with them. They, they did life with him. It's an amazing privilege. Both of these guys had the privilege of having Jesus to be their personal, not just friend, but teacher, mentor, guide. Talk about the most unbelievable opportunity. They, they had him training them for life. And then both of them had the privilege of being asked by Jesus to become his witnesses to, to share his story with the world. But then they both, even with all these privileges and opportunities, they both did the unthinkable. They turned on him. They, they betrayed him. They forsook him. Judas betrayed Jesus for really what he thought was a positive motivation. It wasn't out of hatred, it wasn't out of insincerity, it was out of deception, but, but he, he really believed Jesus was the, the coming king, that he really was the Messiah, the promised one who would establish the kingdom of God on this planet. He really believed it, but Jesus was blowing it in his mind. He, Jesus was talking about all this forgiveness stuff and being good to others and doing good and you know loving people and concentrating on the poor and he wasn't overcoming Rome, so. Judas had a plan. If, if I betray him, then he will have to then rise up and overcome. And so he betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, not because he wanted to get rich, but because he wanted to get Jesus to take a stand. And instead, Jesus was killed. Talk about a plan backfiring. And can I just say, anytime you think you're smarter than Jesus, you're being even stupider than normal. That back plan, how, I mean, it's just not smart. Happy Father's Day. You know, I mean, I'm just trying to be an encouragement here. I, I'm saying, he thought he could outthink Jesus, and, and he couldn't, and he blew it big time. Talk about the shame. He didn't want Jesus dead. He didn't want Jesus betrayed. He didn't want this to happen, and talk about regret. Peter, just like Judas, betrayed Jesus, only, quite frankly, Peter didn't have as good a motivation now, Judas really messed up, but at least he was trying to, like, I want him to be this. Peter denied and forsook and betrayed Jesus out of fear for his own skin. It was fear for himself, entirely self-motivated. And this after he made the egotistical, arrogant statement that he loved Jesus more than anybody else, and no matter what Jesus said, he wouldn't deny him, no matter what, he'd die for him. And then a little girl comes and says, didn't you walk with Jesus? And he you know, dropped the F-bomb a couple of times and, and denied Jesus. So when Jesus needed Judas most, Judas betrayed him. When Jesus needed Peter most, Peter betrayed him, and both, both of them knew the unbelievable shame of regret. There, the decor of the room they were living in was just pure regret. But the revealing thing and the important thing for us to focus on isn't found in 
in their failure. They had failure, we have failure. They, they blow it with God, we blow it with God. They blew it with their friends, we blow I mean, we're the same thing. But the revealing and important focus for us is found in how they handled their regret, how they handled it, what they did after they blew it. One of them, Peter, got past his regret and became a huge influence in sharing Jesus around the world. Isn't it weird? Peter, the betrayer, the denier, the forsaker, we call Saint Peter. Judas, the denier, the forsaker, the betrayer, we don't name our kids after. So Peter got up and lived an entirely different story, not defined by his regrets, but defined by all of Jesus' promise. But Judas went out and ultimately hung himself. And though it might not be that dramatic in our lives as we face our regrets, we're not hanging ourselves, but the truth is we're destroying our lives by living in those rooms. And we don't have to. So what was the difference between Peter and Judas? The difference was in how they handled their regret. And here's the reality. We're all going to have them. The critical issue for us is, is found in how we handle them. If we make the right choices with our regrets, then, then each of us has the ability to get past them, to experience the best of God's story in spite of the worst of our choices. But if we make the wrong choices with our regrets, then we have the potential to be destroyed by them just like Judas. So this weekend, we're going to look at the possible choices because there's two sides, follow Judas, follow Peter. And we're gonna start with the wrong choices because the wrong choices are the easiest choices. The wrong choices are the ones that come most naturally and they're the ones that are going to destroy us. The wrong choices are the ones that I've done with redundancy in my life and I've watched many of you do the same things. We, we need to know the wrong choices so we can avoid them. First thing I find is that regrets really do own us. They, they really do define us, make us prisoners of the past and destroy us when we attempt to cover them up. When we try to cover up our failures, all we're doing is putting them in the darkness where they grow faster and they grow more profoundly destructive in our lives. And yet this is what we do by nature. We try to cover them up. Look at how the Bible says it in Psalm 32, verses two to four. It says, blessed is the one, you know, content, filled with joy, fulfilled is the one whose sin the Lord doesn't count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, by the way, when we try to cover up our failures, our spirit is full of deceit. And David then says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night. God, your hand was heavy on me. I couldn't escape the guilt, the shame. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And I'm going to tell you, we try to cover our failures in a lot of ways. We try to cover our failures by pretending it wasn't that big of a failure. Oh, it wasn't a big deal. We, we try to rationalize it away like it wasn't a big deal. We pretend it doesn't bother us, but all the time it's destroying us on the inside as we saw it happening with Peter and Judas. You see, trying to cover up a regret doesn't work over the long haul. All it does is put shades on the window and it keeps all light from shining in and everything turns dark in our entire lives. When we attempt to cover them up, they just grow more profoundly destructive. Regrets own us and make us prisoners of the past and ultimately destroy us when, when we blame others for our failures. And boy, we do this, don't we? I mean, we do this naturally. We don't even have to be taught. I, we were born, and the minute we had a sibling, we started blaming them for everything that went wrong. And they blame us. 
And it's a part of this nature of brokenness we've inherited from Adam and Eve, to be honest with you. Go back to the beginning. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. And God said to Adam and Eve, who told you that you were naked? Here's the idea. They had no shame, no guilt whatsoever. They literally were so innocent they could be fully open and naked in this world. But the minute they, they rebelled against God, they felt guilt and shame and they wanted to cover up. And God says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Did you, did you blow it? And look at what Adam says, this is, this is brilliant. The man said, the woman you put here with me? She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Look at, let's put it in 21st century language. She made it for dinner. What the crap was I supposed to do? I mean, he, he ate it. The unfortunate reality is that blaming others never works because the regrets just keep growing and growing within. The rooms of our lives get darker and darker and it destroys us. This is what Judas was doing. This is what we do. Regrets own us and keep us prisoners in our past, keep us from moving forward and enjoying our life, becoming, and they, they ultimately destroy us when we continually beat ourselves up over our failures. They just, they just ruin us because we just churn on the inside. I don't know about you, but it's, it's, I can cover my regrets a lot during the busyness of the day. Things are going on, decisions are being made, people are around, there's a lot of activity, media, whatever, but then... At night, when everything turns off and I pillow my head, that's when it starts eating me alive on the inside. Is that you? Which is why I think God created Ambien, uh, to be honest with you, so that you can just put that sucker down. But that's, that's just another way of covering it up. It doesn't work. Sometimes we think that constantly beating ourselves up is going to actually take care of the problem because we think if we self-punish, then we can self-relieve this, this stuff that's eating us alive, but it doesn't work because the more we punish ourselves, the, the more we feel guilt. Self-punishment's not penance that'll take it away. It just magnifies the issue. In fact, what happens is because we don't feel worthy, we feel like we don't deserve. When anything good happens to us, we destroy it. When someone loves us, we undercut that because we don't think we deserve goodness or love in our lives. And it's just such a destructive room to live in. Judas is a great example of this. He ultimately punished himself for his regrets by killing himself, which resolved absolutely nothing. We have to realize that beating ourselves up over regrets has the tendency to per perpetuate regrets and magnify them, but never solve them. Look at how David said it in Psalm 38, starting with verse 4, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. My back is filled with searing pain. There's no health in my body. He really felt like he deserved all the pain he was experiencing. He thought it would make him feel better, but he was wrong. It, it enslaved him all the more. He was a prisoner of the past and he couldn't live in the moment. So he kept creating more and more regrets, making the wrong choices with regret, 
lead to even greater regret, and this is what we tend to do. We tend to be just like Judas. It leads to our own hurt, but, but there's good news. And the good news is that God wants to set us free from our regrets. God doesn't want us to live in the rooms that we've built in our life that are decorated with all the scripts of all our mess-ups. He, he wants to tear those down and give us fresh rooms where we can write brand new stories in. But, but to get there, we have to do what Peter did. We have to choose to let him. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Let's settle it. I know you're filled with all this junk, this regret, this bitterness. You're a prisoner of the past, but let's settle it once and for all. Though your sins are like scarlet, like Judas, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, like Peter experienced, they shall be like wool. And Jesus added this, John 8, 32, then you'll know the truth, and the, the truth won't put you in a prison, the truth will set you free. You know, Jesus wants you in your life to live in rooms of joy and contentment and peace. Jesus wants to wipe your regrets away. He wants to, to give you a new beginning. He really made it possible for you to have a do-over. and He did it by taking the punishment that we deserve on himself. Our regrets destroy us, but he who had no regrets died in our place. And then he rose again so that we might live not in the darkness of our deepest regrets, but in the light of his great successes so that we could have new life. But if we're going to experience him setting us free, freedom from our regrets, then, then we can't make the choices that Judas made that are natural to us. We have to make the choices that Peter made, the right choices. And it begins with us acknowledging our guilt to God. We cover them up, we blame others, we beat ourselves up, we're trying to hide them and take care of them on our own, but the only way that we can ultimately get past the regrets is by letting them reach the light, bringing them out and giving them to God. Acknowledge your guilt to God. Look at Psalm 32, 5, David, who held it in so long and experienced such destruction, finally let it out, Psalm 32, 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity any longer. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. I'm going to acknowledge my guilt to God and look at what happened. And God, you forgave the guilt of my sin. I, I no longer had to live in the darkness of it. We have to stop trying to cover it up. We have to start, stop trying to blame others to get past it. We have to stop beating ourselves up like self-punishment will get us there. And we just have to admit our guilt to God and he can take it away. Have you? If we're going to experience freedom from regret, if we're really going to learn to live in very different rooms, then once we acknowledge our guilt to God, we have to do the right thing with it. Sometimes when we bring our guilt to the surface, it just makes us focus on it more and it turns dark, but what we have to do is we have to then turn to and believe God for his forgiveness. Judas's problem was that he he decided to punish himself for his regrets as if that would fix anything and all it did was break him to the breaking point. He destroyed himself. But he didn't have to punish himself to death. Instead, he could have 
receive the forgiveness that came when Jesus died for sin on the cross and rose again, but he didn't. But Peter did. Peter, the denier, the forsaker, the loser, the arrogant one who made himself better than everyone else but ended up on the bottom of the pile, Peter became a saint because Jesus forgave him for his guilt. If we acknowledge our guilt to God and then let him forgive it, we can experience life without it. We have to turn to and believe God for what Jesus did in dying. Look at John 3, 17 and 18. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He doesn't want you to focus on your guilt. He sent Jesus to save the world through him. So whoever believes in him like Peter did is not condemned. But whoever does not believe like Judas stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 43. It says, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. He wants to remove the decor from the rooms of regret so that you can experience life anew. But it's not going to happen unless you choose him. He died for Judas, but Judas chose to die for himself. He died for Peter. Peter chose to receive the forgiveness that came through Jesus' death. Whose life would you rather pattern after? If we're not going to name our kids Peter, why would we want to live the life of Judas? If we're not going to name him after Judas, why would we want to live his life? If we want Peter's life, then we have to make Peter's choices. And you need to know he... He forgives instantly and he forgives completely and he forgives unconditionally. When he forgives, he removes all the messed up words that have become the script of our lives and he builds new rooms where we could write new stories, but we have to choose them. Why wouldn't you choose them? Before I give you the last couple of principles that are required to experience freedom from regrets, I'm, I just think we have to take a moment to let him forgive us, to let him take it away. And so before I continue to talk, I'm just gonna ask you right here in the middle of my talk, if you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment, here at Plymouth and Brighton and Celine and Grosseal or wherever around the world you're watching right now, if you just bow your heart in prayer and if you're ready to take a step into his forgiveness, pray with me. Take my words in this prayer, but make them yours and in your heart, just quietly to him, just. Just say, Jesus, I, I acknowledge my guilt. Like Judas and Peter, I've failed you, I've betrayed you, I've denied you, I've sinned. And I regret it. But Jesus, I believe you died on that cross to forgive my sin and rose again to give me new life. And so I'm repenting of my guilt and turning to and believing you for my forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me before I give you these last couple of principles, I just really want to encourage you. Would you let me know? I, yes, it's an encouragement for me to know that, you know, God used this to encourage you, but more than that, we've put together information about next steps that you can take in your spiritual journey, and we just need to know you prayed with me to get them to you. And we also want to give you a Bible so that you can start getting into his truth yourself. And so, if you're in one of our campus settings, just take out the program and rip out the connection card, fill it out, and 
check off the section that says you prayed to receive Jesus with me and there are boxes at every exit in all of our sites, throw it in there and we'll send you that information in that Bible and if you're watching online, we'll just hit the what next button and we'll do the same thing for you. I also just wanna throw in, we gave you the announcement that next weekend on Sunday here at, at Plymouth, all of our Northridge campuses are going to get together for our annual baptism event and if, if you've received Jesus but haven't been baptized, man, you don't wanna miss the opportunity. It's a great, great experience. And God's given us like 180 degree weather so the ponds are going to be warm out there. It's gonna be, it's gonna be phenomenal. But all you have to do is, is just kinda of sign up. You can go to northridgechurch.com backslash baptism or right here in Plymouth, uh, the room behind our lobby on the main floor. There are people that can talk to you about it at our regionals in the lobby sign up and if you're a part of Northridge we live to see people wake up to Jesus let's fill this campus up watching them get baptized next week so that'll be a lot of fun now once we acknowledge our guilt which is what the rooms of regret in our life are made of and once we turn to and believe God for our forgiveness and he takes them away there's there's this other step I have found in my life I have to take that if I don't, even though he's given me new rooms to live in, I redecorate the new rooms with the same regrets that I had in the old rooms. And that step is I have to, I have to then so much believe that he's forgiven me and made me new, that he's already paid for my regrets, that then I forgive myself. We have to forgive ourselves. If we don't forgive ourselves, then we're going to keep decorating every room he gives us with the same garbage we had before. And even though we've been given new life, we don't live that new life. We have to forgive ourselves. And this is easier said than done. And I know this. I, I'm haunted by so many things that I have to really work through to let go, knowing that he's forgiven me, I have to forgive myself for. It started at the very beginning of my spiritual journey. I, I, I was a, a real mess when I came to faith and God transformed my life. I mean, I was a real mess. And I, when I came to Jesus, it was so real to me and so life-changing to me that I started telling everyone I knew about Jesus. You know, yeah, I found Jesus, discovered Jesus. Why are you so different? No, no, gee, you need Jesus. And I, I lived in a time where freak was a very popular word and they, all my friends started calling me Jesus freak, right? Because, I mean, that's all I talk about. About six months into my journey, you know, no journey's perfect. About six months into my journey, I kind of fell backward and fell into some of my old patterns for a little while, you know? And I had a friend come up to me, I've never forgotten, and he came up to me and he says, you know, I told my girlfriend if we waited long enough, our good friend, old Brad, will be back. And he says, welcome back, old Brad. I lost touch with this guy over the years, but I've always regretted this one thing. Because of what I did, he's always believed Jesus was a phase people go through, not a person who could change our lives. Because of what I did, he thought Jesus was a quick fix adrenaline, just another thing that doesn't last very long. And I deeply want him to know that Jesus is the for real deal. And just because I blew it for a while doesn't mean I'm old Brad, I'm still new Brad. Just because I rebuilt some of the old rooms for a moment doesn't mean I live in those old rooms forever. And, and I've regretted this forever. But in regretting it, I could keep looking back. 
In regretting it, I could keep looking back and keep making the same mistake day after day after day with people in the now. And so I have to release my failures yesterday and learn from them, knowing he's forgiven me, and step into today not making the same failures, and that's what we have to do. We have to forgive ourselves. You have to forgive yourself, and this is what God wants us to do. Look at Romans 6, verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. You're dead to it. It's gone. It's no longer real for you, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. When you're in Jesus, you're literally new. And that's what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. You become a new creation in Christ. The old gone, the new is here. If the old is gone and the new is here, stop decorating the rooms of your lives with the junk that no longer exists. Stop living imprisoned by that which no longer is real. Let it go and move forward. And finally, look at these last two passages I have for you. And then you're going to be able to go and have that great barbecue wearing that great new ugly tie that you've been given. <laughs> Romans 6, 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may be living a new life. You need to know that passage right there is saying that when we come to faith in Christ, God literally immerses us, which is what baptism is, means. It immerses us into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And if we're a part of his death, then we're a part of his new life. We get to live an entirely new life. Baptism in water is a picture of what happens in Jesus. Paul, the apostle, who also became a saint in spite of his many failures, saw himself as a chief of sinners. He said it many times in the scripture he wrote, and, and he had a hard time dealing with those regrets. You can just tell he was haunted by it, by the way he spoke of it, but, but look what he writes in Philippians 3, verses 10 through 14. I want to know Christ. I mean the fullness of his promise. Yeah, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death so somehow I can attain the resurrection from the dead. He's saying, I, I want to experience what it's like to really live the new life of dead in Christ but alive to a new life. And then he says this, and I love this that Paul says it. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. I, I haven't arrived there yet. I'm still dealing with all my junk. I haven't arrived at my goal, but... Then he told us what he does. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I don't allow myself to be imprisoned in my past. I keep pressing on. Then he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, which is what we need to do, forgetting what is behind, not being imprisoned by our past, and straining forward toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, in Jesus, you cannot stay in the prison cell of your past. You have to keep straining to move forward in your life because in Jesus, you have hope, not regret. And that's what gives us light. And that's what gives us life in this world. So looking backwards can prevent us from ever doing what Jesus has called us to do, move forward. What we need to do is we need to stop going back to the rooms of regret and we need to start writing new stories. It's my prayer that each and every one of us will follow Peter and not Judas, that, that we'll make the right choices, not the wrong choices, the choices that tear down the walls of regret and build new rooms for us to live in so that we can start writing a whole new story, one of peace and joy and fullness and meaning and hope.
You don't have to live in rooms of regret because Jesus came to give you life and life to the full. Let's take advantage of it. Let's live it. Let's experience it and let's do it together. Make sense? Now, what, what I want to do just before we kick you out um, to go covet these cars that you can't afford and I can't afford, um, just before we send you to the classic car show, and I, I want to tell you, I did offer, people have asked which one of those cars is mine, I did offer my car to be in that parking lot. Um, I have a 2009 Jeep that I drive, and I thought, 2009, that's classic. That's a classic car. And they said, keep it away from the car show. So I go out there just like you going, wish I could have one of those things. But um, I, I hope you'll enjoy that. But before you go, I just one announcement. I know this is Sunday. Many of you probably are uh, Sunday attenders at Northridge. If so, that's great. But, but we also have Saturday services. And if you got caught in a traffic line, we have less traffic lines on Saturday night, by the way, than we have on Sunday morning. So if you can make the switch, I'd encourage that. But but we're changing up just for the summer our Saturday night program. We have two services now, 416 and 616. We're combining it for the summer into one service at 516 on Saturday night. And so it'll provide great energy. It'll be better placed in time for the summer experience. And, and just once you know, if you come on Saturday night, it'll be 516. This starts July 1 and 2, the first weekend in July. So that next weekend, we'll have the same four services. And then the next weekend, first weekend in July, Saturday at 516. I hope to see you there or Sunday all through the summer as we keep going forward. I'm thankful that you're here. Happy Father's Day to you fathers. God bless you. Have a great day.